Hey everybody, it's JT. What is on your holiday meal shopping list? Well, I would suggest Painted Hills Natural Beef. It is some of the best beef in the world. And your friends and family will be thanking you for a long time if you serve Painted Hills Natural Beef for your holiday meals. And now you can buy it online just by going to PaintedHillsBeef.com. Use the code BBQNATION at checkout and save yourself 15% on your order. Give Painted Hills Natural Beef a place on your table this holiday season. This is Barbecue Nation After Hours, the conversation that took place after the show ended. Hey everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Hey, everybody. Welcome to After Hours here on Barbecue Nation. I'm JT, along with my Hall of Fame committee to, to this afternoon, um, Ms. Leanne Whippen, Mr. Meathead Goldwyn from AmazingRibs.com. And I'm going to make myself a certificate that says, like, Broadcaster Hall of Fame so I can, you know, I you can are, you, you know, um, you are unique in this world. And it it it. it you should be um, uh, considered, if not uh, initiated, because you are. Uh, there's nobody doing what you're doing, and uh, it's special, and it's an important contribution you make to the community. Well, well, thank you. Yes, thank you. I agree. Thank you, thank you both very much. So that being said, it's time for Christmas trivia on After Hours. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm gonna so- fail. Okay, well, you're you're gonna be you're the asking questions. Don't just don't ask me to sing any carols. No, no, or, or Barbara's or whatever. Um, okay, Leanne, here this first one is for you. Okay. okay. What over the last forty odd years? I don't know the exact number. Uh-huh. Has become a huge tradition in Japan on christmas day eating wagyu (laughs) well that may be but that's not what i'm looking for here uh i'm gonna say shoot off fireworks no no now meathead knows this answer because i talked before you came on with this i tell you yeah and it doesn't surprise me i think i'd heard something like that but you caught me off guard with this one yep on december 25th japanese folks flocked to the american fast food chain kentucky fried chicken really? uh because they did a marketing campaign 40 plus years ago that was kentucky for christmas uh the tradition now has become so popular that diners actually book ahead a couple of months to ah. secure a seat and enjoy a bucket of fried chicken isn't that i love something? fried chicken yeah, uh, it's one of my faves. Yeah. I absolutely adore fried chicken. So yeah, I, and I may. And, and by the way, I, uh, I, I make fried chicken. And here's a tip for your audience. Sure. I do it on my gas grill. When you do it indoors, you get spatters all over the stovetop and the counter. You set off the smoke alarm. I get a Dutch oven with six inch sides. I put an inch or an inch and a half of oil in the bottom. Um, turn on the burners just under the uh, Dutch oven, leave the other side off, bring it up to 375. And I cook them on the Dutch oven outdoors. So I don't care if it spatters and it doesn't because of the Dutch oven or if it smokes because I'm outdoors. And then when they're done, I take them off and lay them down on the other side of the grill, the indirect side where they can drip. 
and close the lid and they continue to warm and stay warm. And it's not dangerous. There's very little chance of me knocking over a big two quart, three quart, four quart Dutch oven um, and spilling oil. And if I did, the worst that would happen is I would destroy a $500 grill. Whereas if you do it indoors and knock it over, you can destroy a $500,000 house. That's true. True. That's very uh, true. I So my grandmother taught me to make fried chicken. That was one of the first things she taught me. And I fried in bacon grease. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Really, really good. But of course, iron skillet, bacon grease. But it, I, you have to use two iron skillets because when you have a whole bird and you put, you know, you're laying everything out, it's hard to fit into one skillet. I and love you don't want to crowd the pan. Yeah, exactly. So I love that idea of cooking it outdoors. So that that's going to be my next thing. It yeah, works. It. it works just the same as indoors. Mm-hmm. You can get the oil up to that temp on a gas grill. Um, and you could do it on a charcoal grill. It's just a little hard to regulate the temperature on a charcoal grill. Sure. Um, and uh, uh, it, it works great and it's perfectly safe and yeah. uh, much less fuss and cleanup. Yeah. Um, one of the things I think it's important about that is you don't want you, you, a lot of the fried chicken restaurants like KFC and the others, they deep fry, which means the chicken is surrounded on all sides by oil. Uh-huh. I and then there's what they call shallow fry, which is usually half inch or less oil. I go in between. I go with an inch or an inch and a half of oil so that the chicken is sitting on the bottom of the pan. Uh-huh. That helps crisp brown it and brown it. it. It's in contact with metal. Now, uh-huh. the top is exposed and steam comes out and that reduces the amount of burbling and bubbling and spattering. But you have to flip it halfway through. Sure. Yep. Sure. We had a tradition at, at our house growing up Christmas morning. It just seemed like everybody had just gone home from the night before, but Christmas morning, my mother would make chicken biscuits and gravy. Oh. And that was our Christmas morning meal. And then we had another one, of course, later in the day. Um, wow. I'm not sure how she got all that done over all those years, but it was, it's a lot of work. Yeah, it is. It's a tremendous amount of work. And nobody ever turned her down for when she invited them to Christmas morning breakfast. I can see mm. why. I mean, she would make 60, 80 biscuits by hand. Mm. Mm. And then, you know, she would, we'd probably go through, I don't know, three or four chickens total because we always had a lot of people there. Anyway, mm-hmm. it was all Those good. biscuits are great. I love uh, them. Oh, I, I, I've got a recipe and a technique on the web on my website for biscuits. And Leanne, close your ears now because um, mm. I, I don't use buttermilk. Um, I, I just, you know, I, most I, folks don't, don't have buttermilk around the house. And I think you can do darn well without it. Yeah. Um, and uh, the, the secret is is fold, 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 fold. So Absolutely. you get all the nice layers. Okay. And I make them square. I, I haven't got the patience to deal with uh, the round cuts. And then you roll up the uh, the pieces. Oh, I like are... the square idea. I think that's great. I, I, and I put it in a pan that fits perfectly. Everybody, get, you know, there's no waste. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Here's another trivia question. This is for both of you. All right. What is another name for eggnog? Hello. <laughs> nothing like dead air dave is going somebody speak <laughs> um uh, let me I, 
let me give you an easier I would say I'm going to say um custard no no you were there was a at least one letter no two letters out of your answer that was in the proper term but other than that uh well let me give you an easier version and maybe this will stimulate some thought when was the first eggnog drank drunk consumed <laughs> dead air <laughs> what these are trivia these are trivia. Yeah, uh, okay well okay. all right it would have to be somewhere in the middle ages or prior uh, i'll give you i'll give you a hint it's in the 1600s wow. well that's renaissance yeah more or less i give up okay I Le- too. leanne you give up the first eggnog was sipped in 1607 in Jamestown, Virginia. Really? Yeah, because yeah. I think By they the were colonists. Yeah, they were drinking yeah. it, saying, "Well, this thing's a dud, so we're gonna we're gonna disappear on you." Um, and the original name was called Crow's Milk. Oh, no, I like, I like yeah. eggnog yeah. better. Yeah, yeah. All right, I have a tip for you on eggnog. I mean. You can buy respectable premix eggnog, and all you got to do is add some Southern Comfort or rum or something. Right. It's pretty good. But if you want to make it from scratch, you are making it with raw egg. And raw egg has a health risk to it. Um, uh, salmonella and Campylobacter tend to like to hang around chickens, and they can get into the eggs from the chicken while the chicken is pregnant. And so it's a, it's it's not a huge risk. But um, once upon a time, my wife, who was a research scientist for FDA, went along on a um, an inspection just to expand her knowledge of a, a chicken farm in Iowa. And unbelievable how unsanitary the conditions were yeah. and, uh, oh. and, and the number of eggs they found that were. So if you can and you're making eggnog, you want to try to buy pasteurized eggs. Mm-hmm. But if you can't. And you have a sous vide machine. Oh, here we go. Pasteurize them yourself. You can take the eggs and put them in the sous vide uh, bath. Uh, I put a little strainer in there to keep them from banging around into the walls. And uh, you set them for 131, which is the temperature at which most everybody dies. And after uh, two hours, um, they are safe. And the whites are clear and runny, and the yolks are rich and yolky, and uh, you would never know they had been heated. Interesting. Sounds like a Dwight Yoakam song. So um, you can you can buy those sous vide uh, machines on Amazon for a couple hundred bucks. It's a great um, gift for the holidays for that foodie person that always is talking about it but never does the splurge. I got right. I got news for you. You haven't looked on Amazon lately. They're the prices, under 200. They're way below now. Oh, good. They're, they're under 100 for a lot of them. Um, wow. The Jewel, which is my favorite, it used to be 200. I don't know what the current price is, but I've seen other brands. I, I don't know how good they are, but I've seen them under 100. Huh. Cool. Put that on my uh, Christmas list. Um, yeah. She's Googling it, right? Or she's checking it. Right I know now. she no, is. I'm writing it down. <laughs> the jewel. I'm writing it down. <laughs> J-O-U-L-E is the uh, is the brand that I like the best. 
Um, but uh, I'm, I'm sure these other brands, uh, Anova is very well regarded. I, I remember researching and seeing Nova out there. Anova, A-N-O-V-A. Yeah, okay. Uh, okay. Anova and Jewel, I think, are the industry leaders, but there's just a lot of knockoffs out there now. Okay, you ready for another trivia question? Yeah. Okay. Sure. Batting a thousand. I said yes, didn't I? Yes. Um, did, did I change my vote? No. No. Okay. <laughs> um, every, you know what it's like. You get under the mistletoe. That's a big tradition. You know, if you're under the mistletoe, somebody's supposed to give you a kiss, blah, blah, blah. Okay, yeah. we, we got that. Um, Not doing it with you. No, no. I might give you a hug, but Me that's it. I draw the line. <laughs> So mistletoe berries, they're poisonous. If you didn't know that, they are. But what one time in history, they were considered fill in the blank. <laughs> Dead air. A diuretic. <laughs> a diuretic? I would say a weapon. <laughs> they, they were considered... <laughs> An, an aphrodisiac well, and are know. still used as a symbol of fertility and virility, but consider yourself warned. But they're so, poison. So how, how do you do that? Well, I'm guessing that, um, you know, you were kind of a one hit wonder. You might have had a great aphrodisiac moment and then you died. <laughs> and so, then it's over. It's called going yeah. with your boots on. Yeah. Now, <sighs> there are other foods that we eat that are poisonous in their natural state but after we cook them um and i'm, I'm drawing a blank trying to think of them um, how about a fish that fish these blow fish. fugu fugu yeah yeah but i think that's served raw oh. um there are other foods and i'm drawing a blank my, my wife just went by well, she juniper was, berries that they used to originally made gin out gin, of and stuff yeah, they're poisonous gin. hell are so, they yeah i didn't know that I yeah. didn't know that. I, I I just bought some juniper berries because I made a, uh, a German pork chop recipe with oh, the juniper yum, berries. Yeah, if you process the jar, them. I never bought them before. You open the jar and it just smells like gin. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Interesting. Uh, they will also kick your ass if you consume too many. Really? Uh, in liquid form. I'm just... Uh. Gin? Oh, you're talking about gin. Yeah, okay. I'm talking about I gin. I thought you were talking about like berry juice or something. Okay. So I was in Florida re recently. I'm sorry, Leanne, I was on the uh, other Thank phone. you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, my mother is in Pompano and I was down visiting her and um, I uh, stopped in a bar in the hotel I was staying at and the bartender, um, I, I'm a Negroni fan, which is made with mm, gin and Campari and red vermouth. He pulled out a um, gin that is blue and when you mix it with something i think it's acidic um it turns pink yes oh yes we have some here you have really? some yeah i have two yeah. i'm trying to remember the brand um is there only one out there that does that no i, I think there are a couple now that are doing it it has it, it's a a flower from a pea berry or a pea a pea flower that so it it's a blue it. gin, right? Because yeah, my daughter uh, loves to make specialty cocktails. That would oh, be a I'll, good I'll think of the brand gift. in a minute. If I can't, I'll email you. It's very cool. I mean, because huh. for, for a gin and tonic, you pour it yeah. in the yeah. gin and it's blue. And then you pour in the uh, tonic and it changes color. No kidding. Yeah. Huh. My, <laughs> my wife was in Amsterdam this summer and she came back in whatever hotel they were at. 
she kept talking about this pink drink. She said, God, that was so good. It was pink. She goes, I know it was gin. Anyway, she did a little research. She found the pink gin. She found the other mixers with it. Um, but I don't think she's ever made mixed any up yet. So that there is a Empress gin. Empress? Empress. It's from Canada. Ah, okay. Uh, it's made um uh, uh has something to do with the Empress Hotel in uh in Canada. Uh, well, and, and it's beautiful. I mean, it's a uh, if you Google it, it's it's a deep, rich, royal, almost royal purple. It's gorgeous. Huh? Love that. And, speaking, and it's a good gin. It tastes really good. Uh -huh. And speaking of peacocks. um, I didn't mention peacocks. I did. I, I did. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, peacocks were actually a mainstay of medieval Christmas feasting. Yeah. I wonder what they taste like. Anybody ever eat one? Probably tastes like a peacock. I'm not sure, know. but as I don't as, think I would think it would be illegal to kill those at this in this day. I don't know. Age, but, I don't know. No. But all you know, they also had swans. But uh, later in Edwardian Britain, I'm not going to ask you a question about this because you guys have done so stunningly on the other ones I asked you. <laughs> yeah. But um, the it goose, <laughs> the goose actually became the bird of choice before turkey began as the meat most sought after right. for the center of the Christmas table. But it all started with peacocks. Huh? Yeah. Hmm. How about that? Hmm. How about that? Now, I've had some good luck with goose. Um, uh, my wife doesn't particularly care for the flavor, but it, it, goose breasts are a bit like duck breasts. They're they're a red meat. And uh uh, if you if you can grill like them like ostrich you... ostrich is red right? i've never had an ostrich yeah i have and i'm not i've never made goose before how did you make it um you you want to treat it a lot like duck there is a lot mm -hmm. of subcutaneous fat yeah um so uh you 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 know you can do whatever you would do with a duck or you can um uh, uh stuff you know just roast it whole but stab it a bunch of times so it mm -hmm. drains um but it's a different flavor than duck. Yeah. Is there such a thing as a Peking goose? No, <laughs> I've never heard of a Peking goose, but I've I've actually written a recipe for Peking goose. I've just never tried it. Oh. Basically, I treat you know I buy a, a goose and do it Peking okay. style. Right. And I've, yeah. I I wrote a recipe for that, and I don't know where it is, but I've never done it. I want to do it now that yeah, you mentioned. Yeah, you should. That's, right. That goes cool. right along with flaming fillet of yak. So mm. that was in that commercial too if you don't know i, yeah. I lost you i know i looked at that yeah. look on your face and i lost you okay do you know what um uh, a smoking bishop is and i'm not talking about somebody in the catholic church or uh you know in the presbyterian church or anything like that this is actually a drink and it's called the smoking bishop I nope I've never heard of it. No. Uh, okay. Well, this was popularized by the Victorians and Charles Dickens wrote of a spiced wine called the smoking Bishop. And later Mrs. Beaton, whoever she was, uh, describes using spices to what's called mull M U L L mm -hmm. wine, mm -hmm. warm wine originated with the ancient Ro Romans who drank it, uh, to ward off the effects of cold winter. Oh, well, that's why uh, later through the practice mostly evolved as a way of masking the flavor of spoiled and cheap wine. So that's uh, I, my knowledge of this subject is reasonable. 
Um, yeah, mold wine, wine is simply wine that has been warmed and has been spiced with flavors, um, herbs and spices, you know, your brown spices and other things. Um, the better alternative is glug. And glug is a blend of uh, red wine, port wine, and usually Akavit, or uh, in my recipe, which is on amazingribs.com, and it's awesome because I've been making it for 35 years, mm. uh, I use brandy. And um, it has uh, a, a number of really interesting uh, flavors in it, um, and it ages well. Um, we normally make it and save it for a year, um, and it's just awesome stuff on a cold day. You put a twist of orange in it, uh, après ski, or après shoveling the sidewalk. Yeah. And uh, uh, nice. Glug is just a marvelous winter Never, drink. Never, ever heard of it. I've learned a lot today, by the way. <laughs> it's, a, it's a traditional Swedish drink. <laughs> so, and, uh, well, Aquavit, of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So I've got a question, uh, wine guy. Take your meat hat off. Put your wine hat back on for a second. <laughs> I've thought about this. I can't tell you how many times, but I have very bizarre thoughts anyway. But you see, like, if you ever watch movies with the ancient Romans or whatever, they're always drinking wine. You know, they drink wine. That's fine. How does that wine compare to the wines we have today, which are some of them are just super duper. Um, And I'm not a big wine guy as you are meathead but i i do like a good glass of wine now and then versus some of that stuff some i something in my head says some of that crap back then had to taste like vinegar well their processes well, since i was alive then i'm <laughs> 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 i'm that old as i recall as i recall last time i talked to socrates yeah <laughs> He didn't like his wine that much because it had some sort of funny poison in it. Yeah. Uh, but, it was uh, right next to the juniper berries, but it started right. with an H. Yeah. I would have to guess that, um, I mean, wine is pretty simple. You, you just take a bunch of grapes, smash them up, and there's wild yeast on the surface, and it ferments, and it turns it into uh, the alcohol uh, is converted to, uh, rather the sugar is converted to alcohol, and it gives off a byproduct of uh, gas or carbon dioxide. It it belches gas, um, and uh, that they probably drank it young and fresh. Um, but if they drank it all year round, they had to put it in amphoras, which were clay bottles. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, if wine is in contact with air, it oxidizes and that changes its flavor. That's part of the aging process. I figure that they learn pretty quickly that. Uh, if they filled the bottle really high and corked it off, it would stay fresher. Um, but if they left air in there, it would age faster. And they probably figured out which flavors and which grapes and sure. they liked best. It's not that hard, you know, and I'm sure they experimented. Um, as for wine today, most of what we drink today is made very precisely with like we cook uh, right. with mm-hmm. to control. Um, much of the fermentation takes place in, in, in large stainless steel tanks, although many red wines in particular are fermented in barrels still, but they have really, you know, meticulous control over temperature. They don't rely necessarily on the wild yeast. They have their own yeast colonies that they inject in there to create exactly the flavor profiles they're looking for. 
And, you know, they age it for a specific amount of time, then it's bottled and further aging and so on. So I'm sure that the taste of wine today is very different than it was in Roman times. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I would have had to thought that, and I did think that, I should say, because we have come so far with our agronomy, you know, yeah. and, and uh, the, the different, like we've got the Pinot grapes up here. I didn't know if the Romans had Pinot grapes. You know what I mean? I mean, it's, it's hard to say, but that's always kind of made me wonder because. I bet it tasted like grape juice and I bet they drank it fresh. Probably. I would, well, I would bet they drank a lot of it fresh, but since grapes come ripe in fall, Mm-hmm. If they're still drinking in spring or summer, it's not fresh anymore. Right. So interesting. Leanne, mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to read you something here. Okay. And uh, Meathead and I talked about this before you came on wine with us here. But okay. we figured if there's one person that can handle these dinners, it would be mm-hmm. you. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's yeah. see. Okay. Let's see what the expectation level is. Here. All right. So if you think your Christmas dinner is a challenge, try this. In the year 1213, mm-hmm. a lot of history today, folks. So get out your pencils. Uh, King John of England ordered 3,000 capons, capons, excuse me, 1,000 mm-hmm. salted eels, 400 hogs, mm-hmm. 24 casks of wine. And some of the side dishes, uh, making the the Duke of Northumberland's Christmas menu was huge. Mm. But then again, in six, uh, 1580, excuse me, mm-hmm. Chris, uh, Christmas feasts were back on par with Sir William Petrie, ordering 17 oxen, 14 steers, 29 calves, five hogs, 13 bucks, and not dollars, what kinds of the horns uh-huh. on their head, 54 lambs, 129 sheep, and one ton of cheese. Can you handle that for us? <laughs> I, I thought you were going to ask me, what is the total amount of pounds? <laughs> no, I, I, I can't even what... do that math. So uh, yeah. so is there a question involved here? What... Well, we Meathead and I decided we wanted to know if you thought you could handle a dinner like that, that big. Uh, if I had a lot of friends helping out, sure. Okay. I'd be more interested in having a bunch of nice butchers because that would be the key. Yeah. There's uh, a lot of hacking. There's a and lot of hacking. Yeah. yeah. You're so. going to need one more than one Gunter Wilhelm knife to handle that baby. Yeah. I mean, with 17 oh. oxen and 14 steers, which are kind of pretty much the same thing. I want to know why they introduced cheese all of a sudden. Nothing wrong with it, but why why the sudden fetish of cheese? Well, maybe you know, going the, to Wisconsin, I don't know. Maybe that's the or you know, so, so many French meals end in a cheese platter. Yeah. 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 So Interesting. Anyway, all right. So here's the personal aspect of this interview. Leanne, what do you want for Christmas? A sous vide machine. (laughs) (laughs) I'm doggone it. I had an extra and I just gave it to a neighbor. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, that just, yeah, that would be awesome. They're a lot of fun. I mean, you can do some fun. Yeah, I would enjoy that. I've cooked with them extensively and there are just some things that I don't bother with anymore. I've done reverse sear ribeye against the sous vide ribeye and I think the reverse sear is better. Not quite as tender, Uh not quite as juicy but better flavor. Yeah. Right. So, 
Yeah. So how about you? What's on your holiday list? Mine? Yeah. Sous vide machine, right? Yes. <laughs> Sous vide machine. <clears throat> Actually, I know you both have these. I think you both do. Something that I haven't purchased yet. Uh, I want an air fryer too. Oh, I use mine all the time. Yeah. I just I haven't ever. I haven't got one. I gave it away. Yeah, I have the combo toaster and air fryer Cuisinart so that it doesn't because they take up so much room. It's just another appliance you got to drag out. And And I can't deal with that. Yeah. And so I have the Cuisinart toaster and I just take, you know, the pans that go in there, throw them in my dishwasher and you're done. Uh, So it's not as messy as cleaning out a whole another appliance. So I'm it might not. I don't know. I think it works just fine. it's good if you you know you're trying to stay away from all the oil from you know deep frying or whatever. Right, mm-hmm. right. That's about the only thing. And uh, on a personal basis, I just look forward to Christmas to having all the the family, what's left of them, around and uh, enjoying the couple three days there. That's my deal. Yeah. So, Meathead, what about you, my friend? I'm hoping my publisher calls me up and says, ah, you can have another month. <laughs> <laughs> I want or a month. Or you're wishing that it was March 31st or whenever the date is. I want again. a month. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it's. Uh... And, 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 and this is to all the listeners out there who think they want to write a book. It's torture. <laughs> it's torture. Yeah. I've done one. It's very well received. 250,000 copies in circulation now. And uh-huh. still selling. But this new one I'm working on is just going to be the death of me. I missed summer. I missed a whole summer. I don't think I've been outdoors more than three, four hours um, since the spring thaw. Um, I've just been chained to my desk, work, 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 work. And it's. Well, when you get a James Beard Award, you'll be like, okay, um, that was worth it. I got Hall of Fame. That's all I need. Uh... There you go. Yeah. Uh-huh. There you go. Well, I wish you both a very Merry Christmas. We'll see what the Amazon elves bring to Miss Leanne uh-huh. and uh, we'll yeah. go from there, but it's always a pleasure. Good to, good to talk to you guys again. And yes. Happy holidays, yes. Christmas, yeah, happy holidays, uh, Hanukkah, anything else that's in there? Kwanzaa, New Year's. New Year. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's all good. It's all good. Um, we're going to get out of here. Thank you very much for listening. We actually cut short by about 35 seconds. Our normal um, after hour segment with Meathead, but we wish you all from all three of us, we wish you a very Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. And uh, we look forward to seeing you on the flip side of the holidays. Right. Take care, everybody. <laughs>